Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant. Dr. Bill Sinyard here. Thanks for listening and pass it on to others, men and women, who you know want to become more than more than they are right now. They kind of kind of benefit from all of this stuff. The queen in the Song of Songs, hopefully she's relatable to all of us. She is so messed up when God finds her so needy, but he doesn't leave her there. Even when she triggers, emotionally dysregulates, runs away from, from his arms to the city. It's irrational, it's self-destructive, it's counter everything she, she wants, and yet her midbrain's in charge, and we do that. Have you ever gone through an entire worship service totally checked out? I'm not trying to shame you. We all do it. You know, distance, you're not plugged in. God's there loving you with all the love of the universe. The Spirit's in your inner being, giving you power, and yet, you know, the queen. And like, No judgment, no shame, but, you know, lots of people do that for more than a worship service, for a day or a week or a month or a decade. And there's no sex in that city, only intercourse. Well, we're on part two of movement three in the seven movement song of songs. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure that you follow the show on whatever podcast platform you use. You know, send me an email. Let me know what you're getting out of this. I love dialoguing with you. Thank you for those who've sent emails. I really appreciate the questions and the insight. I'm going to put some of those comments on the pod page, gospelrant.com. Yeah, we will be right back after some words from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hey, welcome back. I'm going to read the entire third movement. Here we go. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loved. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? 
Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. All right, we're going to begin at verse 3. We looked at the first two verses in the last uh, show. Here's my interpretive translation. Just try to connect with the queen. So it's such a relevant, um, relatable character. All right, we should be feeling what she's feeling, women and men. She goes emotionally OCD out of anxiety and frustration and her context or uh, how she was raised by her parents. Look, we get it. She's wondering if there's anyone out there who really would cherish her, who has her back, especially after she messes up, uh, after she does this cycle thing. She doesn't run to the king. We know that. But she runs to the substitutes that she's gone to over and over. And it's not all her fault. It's the power of habit, to be sure. So what's your habit? She actually runs away from the king and runs to the city. And like I said, there's no sex in the city. There's only intercourse. Okay, here's the queen. When all seemed lost, the watchmen found me as they were finishing their rounds. Have you seen my husband, the great lover king? They ignored me as if I was nothing, no one. But then just after I went past them, there he was, the one my heart loves. I desperately fell upon him, (laughs) seized him with all my strength, never to let him go again. I brought him to myself Then the city was transformed into a place of intimacy, a garden we embraced in a lover's embrace. (laughs) All right. Well, the tension increases dramatically as she runs into the watchmen. They're they're interesting characters. We're going to see them in the parallel movement number five. Um, It's observable here that the city is their stomping ground for some reason. In fact, I guess they're guarding the city, but... You have to ask, why does this city need guarding? Well, we the readers wonder what will happen when she runs into the watchman. They find her. She asks them if they've seen the king. Now, again, it's interesting to observe that they are of no help whatsoever. They're silent. They're unresponsive. Honestly, they're disrespectful, dishonoring to the queen. They are overlooking the queen. This is kind of one of the things she fears from relationships. They're not honoring to the one the king adores. They do not share her enthusiasm in searching for this king. Right? Hold on to all of those things. We'll get back to that when we look at movement five. They're emotionless. They're oblivious to love. They're indifferent, selfish. They're self-sufficient in the city. I mean, do you sense the contrast between her frenetic and desperate searching for the king and they're going through their rounds, kind of zombie-like? She must get past them. Right? Maybe, poetically, they're the lattice. Right? We, see them, we saw it in movement two. Maybe they're the lattice in movement three. Toss that out there. Well, as soon as she moves past them, she sees the king, important, and captures him. The phrase in the NIV is, takes him to the house of my mother. It's a double entendre. Uh, At the language level, it refers to the literal home of her actual mother, but she's not bringing the king to her mom's house, yeah. It's hardly likely that the queen would do that. To her mom for, for intimacy? No, 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 no. That's not the garden. It's a euphemism for intimacy, right? Her mother's house. Are you with me? Her womb, uh, where she gets sexual pleasure, 
it's safe, it's secure, it's honoring, very familiar. I'm fascinated by the king's response. It's not mentioned. He does appear to be a willing kidnapped victim here. I suspect that he was there all along, right? The picture is that he is not only always available, but he's always embracing her as well. She keeps checking out. He does his best work with toxic, lonely queens who lack emotional ability to self-regulate. But make no mistakes, this is still, from her point of view, from her interaction, really dysfunctional, addict kind of love. All right, it's the city. All right, we, we all know the city. I mean, don't think of Denver or New York or Los Angeles, physical cities. This is a poetic euphemism. It's a metaphor. It's the celestial anti-great lover king. This is where we go to get our self-soothing from before we heard the voice of the great lover king. Paul calls it the present evil age. Cain built it first. In Revelation, I'm guessing it's Mystery Babylon, the great whore. It's the place of all idolatry and addiction, God's substitute, God's love substitute. I mean, simply put, it's where you and I go to get our hits, other than the one place that actually coughs up the goods. So social media could largely be that. Drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, alternative lifestyle choices, X Games, TV, right? Those are big ones, but there's so many others, right? Subtle mistresses such as needing compliments from friends or, or compassion and special treatment from others because of our sad stories, you know, playing the victim card or, or our careers or our addiction to work, uh, feeling good about work more than anything else. And by the way, it could also include religion. Uh, the dopamine's hits we get from listening to Christian music. So it can be addiction to good things. The city can, can be filled with good things. Well, here's a good definition of the city. And by the way, sin. So think about using that from now on instead of the word sin. I think that's uh, toxic in our culture. Here we go. The city, or sin, is looking for a significant security and belonging anywhere else but in God's arms. Looking for a significant security and belonging anywhere else than God's arms and his gaze. These can be good things. And by the way, Satan would take that deal any day, all day, right? The good, the good things, true obedience is loving God and loving others all the time. True loving God would be to receive significant security belonging from him all the time and then loving him and others out of that full, secure cup. It's how we're supposed to have been. Well, we Christians run to these arms of God substitute lovers a thousand times, even though the, the hits are very temporary and they drive us crazy. I mean, wouldn't we argue in moments of stark honesty that, that these lovers are abusive, right? The city, uh, there is no honor there. They use us, they make us their slaves, and they give us hits every now and then. So why go to such a harmful place? It's a matter of programming. Triggered by the terrors of being alone and abandoned, feeling like no one has her back and, and she's not lovable and she needs self-soothing. She doesn't have the capacity yet to self-regulate emotions. And so her brain reacts and she has to fix it. Remember from last time? So her brain goes to the hippocampus database and discovers that she's run to this city 10,000 times and to the garden twice, movement one and movement two. And the city's addictive, habitual momentum is conditioned over weeks and months and years, right? But this time, 
She doesn't feel comfortable in the city this time. Did, did, you, did you see it? Something's changed. She's tasted the kisses of the king. The guild has been stripped off the city a little bit. I mean, she still went, but it's, it's not satisfying as much anymore. Christian, you understand that, right? After the kisses of the great lover king, the city just doesn't taste the same. Intimacy isn't just intercourse. And it's such great news for us. She used to be hopeful in the dark, abusive city, but now... There's been a subtle transformation. Spring is evident in her brain just a little bit. This is one reason why Christians can be so miserable here in this world. If we stop looking up regularly, we're tragic characters. The city just doesn't do it anymore for us. And we can become sad characters. We're not experiencing the love of the king. Right? The city just doesn't do it for us anymore. And notice that she is not indifferent about the king anymore. The event has a purging effect. She still has no capacity to emotionally self-regulate. When she finds the king, she inappropriately leaps on him and seizes him, kidnaps him, and then she forcefully drags him into an intimate embrace, probably a bit too much out of dysfunctions, uh, no doubts. But nonetheless, there is no notion of criticism of her for her enthusiasm from the Bible or from the king. The king is a willing victim. There's movement in the relationship. It's still twisted, but there's movement. Like moths to the flames, we will always feel the downward spiral toward the city, the side of heaven, at least till we die. The tendency to run to the city is huge, whatever your city is. We require massive and powerful eternal intervention to break our addictions again and again and again until things start moving. The good news is that this is what the love of the great lover king does. Where people starving for identity, attention, purpose, experience. This is not a casual longing. It's a frenetic searching and not finding so many terrors and fears and pains and loneliness and insecurities that that need relief and soothing. The claim of the Bible is that there is only one person who has the power to cause shamed people to look up. This is not just narrow, judgmental Christian banter. This is the revelation of God. You know, I want to deny it. I want to believe that I can get up and run to the city and find God there. I want to believe the queen is dysfunctional, not me. But you know what I'm finding is that I'm far more needy than that. My esteem is far more damaged and cracked than that. I rely on so many other lesser lover kings to measure me throughout the day. Right? Listen to what irritated you this week. What caused the greatest surge of emotion? Was it the fear, frustration? If you can be honest... Looking at those things, you're getting closer to seeing the cold, hard streets of your city more clearly. The good news is the great lover king keeps on coming, keeps on hugging, keeps on cherishing, keep on loving, kissing. The poem is about the love of the king that never yields. It's stunningly positive. Don't miss this. This is a seven-part series on the love of the king, right? No matter how bad we portray the queen, he loves her and she gets changed at the end. All right? All right, let's take a break for our sponsors. When I get back, I'm going to read Movement 3 from my novella, a modernized stage presentation of the book. All right, see you in a minute. Hey, I want to read Movement 3 from my novella on the Song of Songs, kind of a stage presentation of the, of the poems. This is chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. I just call it in the novella, The Nightmare. Enjoy. 
The queen is torn between two active and powerful jealous lovers, the great lover king and her own heart. Both are unyielding, both pursue urgently the one to freedom and life, the other to death. Lest we be too hard on her heart, we must remember that it perhaps served her well as a lover before the king's voice was heard in the din. It was better than having nothing for a lonely, abused adolescent, but she can see now that it has nothing of any substance to offer a queen. She can no longer describe its embrace as light. It is darkness. Its embrace is a nightmare. And she awakes in its embrace. It's a dark night. Help! The dark nightmares are back. I can't stand it. I must get out of here. I desperately want my lover king. I want to be held by him. I want to be in his embrace. I must go back to his garden. But here I am, desperately alone, isolated again in this dark, strangling dream of vicious night sweat. Where is he? Where did he go? I cannot hear his voice calling. Am I abandoned again? Oh, no, please, no. Are my worst fears confirmed? Help me, anyone. I am desperate. I must do something. I know. I'll go and find my king. I I must go. The queen was desperate. She had to do something. Frantically, she put on her robes and sandals, not bothering with makeup or hair, not bothering to don her crown. All she knew was that she had to abandon this place, this so-called safe place, She had to find him and enter the garden again. In the furor of her soul, she was not able to recognize that something had actually changed in her soul. In days past, this was a comfortable place for her, no longer. This was no time to think about it. It hurt far too much. What began looking like a heroic effort by the queen quickly fizzled. It's so human to take the well-worn path as if, Well-worn always means good. The queen takes the broad path, the familiar path. She doesn't run to the garden. She sets her sights on the city. Maybe it was an act of ignorance, or maybe she was deceived. Sometimes the city can look garden-like. There's no way to know, but what could be said is that she could look for days and not find the king there. The king dwells in the garden. The all-familiar city. She had seen its gilded gates before, often in fact. This had been her survival strategy in the past where she could not take the loneliness anymore. The city promised a respite. On its dank streets, it offered glitter, amusement, and entertainment. The city offered her love, or at least a barely recognizable shadow of it. At least there she could feel a man's skin against her, and at least for a moment imagine that she was being honored at least until the John got up to leave without a word. This is why she ran to the city. In fact, if the truth were known, she was far more comfortable there than in the garden. There were too many unresolved questions in the garden, in the embrace of the king. The risk of the garden was too high. Yes, she thought, the city is my home. This was where she belonged. She was used to the rhythms of the city. She was used to the abuse. I mean, after all... This was where she learned her survival strategies. So she ran up and down the all-too-familiar dark shadowed alleyways, in and out of the raucous bars and nightclubs. What a sight. 
the queen, the beloved of the great lover king seeking identity and worth in such dehumanizing squalor. The stench of the city air was now clinging to her gown. She was soiled again. What could she be thinking? Well, sure enough, the king was nowhere to be found on the self-centered, abusive streets of the city. As a last-ditch effort, she ran to the gates of the city where the indifferent city guards held court. And certainly she thought they would be helpful. She was the queen, after all. They were the peacekeepers here. They were the ones who maintained order and law. They would know her husband. They would help a helpless person. Have you seen my husband, the great lover king? Well, no matter how many times she asked the question, they totally ignored her. What a contrast to her lover king, who always gazed adoringly deep into her eyes. He seemed to hang on her every word. It was a bit unnerving, actually. He was so different from these watchmen on the walls. Guards are guards. What was in it for them? They were not impressed with this ill-dressed street woman. They continued on their drone conversations, indifferent to the plight of the beloved of the king. They were the reflection of her heart in so many ways. Who in the world was she? She was a field flower dressed like a common lady of the street, merely claiming to be somebody. I mean, if she was more than that, she would certainly be somewhere else, not wandering this dark place. As she dejectedly made it past them, past the gates of her beloved city, past the indifference, she saw him, the one her heart loved. Deep within her, her heart exploded, blinded in the rush of relief and hope and desire. She plunged to him and flung herself in his open arms. He didn't seem to care that she was undressed and soiled by the smells of the city. She fell upon him, seized him with all of her strength, never to let him go again. It was a strange scene to onlookers. Normally, it would have been inappropriate for a woman to cling to the great king in such a manner. It was improper decorum. Normally, it would be more appropriate for the woman to bathe, to clothe herself appropriately and seek proper audience through appropriate channels. Yet, there is nothing normal about this king and his love. He is a willing kidnapped victim. He takes her always as she is. This is the love of the great lover king. This is the anti-love of the city. At once the garden erupted all around them. They were on that spectacularly embroidered blanket again, entwined and separable for now. There was no more nightmare, no more gilded city, only a garden, their place of wonderful intimacy. They embraced in a lover's embrace. She once again looked out into the moonlit garden of love. She wondered how many times her heart would deceive her. How many times would the king pursue her in her insanity and betrayal? Seventy times seven? What king would do this for losers like her? But for now, she is his, and he is hers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Need to shut this down. I'm writing a book about overlooked and underappreciated women of the Old Testament. When God finds them, they're the queen, but he doesn't leave them there. If you want to be on a mailing list, let me know. Bill at gospel-app.com. I'm about halfway through. It's a fascinating book. Hey, women, check out this Simple, Uncluttered Gospel. I'm preparing it just for you. Men, you can get the regular Simple, Uncluttered Gospel at our website, gospel-app.com. But this one is for you, ladies. Say it twice a day for 45 days. We're preaching the gospel of 
the king groom to your dark and murky, largely subconscious midbrain, where that nasty, critical inner voice resides. Don't think that because you know the gospel that it is getting into that subconscious region. That takes intentional and concerted effort. Say this aloud twice a day for 45 days. Uh, say it word for word and let us know what's happening along the way. Bill at gospel-app.com. Here it is. Jesus follower, daughter of the Most High, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. As much as the Father loves the Son and the Spirit, and the Son and the Spirit loves the Father, he can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He can't love you more if you were smarter, funnier, had a better career, were more educated, had more authority, were a better boss, employee, friend, lover, mother, or daughter, married or divorced or widowed or single, more attractive, weighed more or less, had better hair, were better cook. He loves you the same no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Just stop trying. This is the love that your brain has subconsciously been jonesing for so long. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something more so that God would like you better. Not so. It's brain science. Nothing has hurt you more than relationships that have gone badly. God designed your brain to protect you from getting hurt again, but that's also causing you to subconsciously resist loving and being loved. Your only fix is to access the God source power through the spirit and your inner being so that you can begin to experience the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ for you and for others. How do you start to experience his incongruous love for you more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today, ask tomorrow, make it a spiritual habit, then dance, daughter of the Most High, dance. Ladies, what jumps off the page? What haven't you heard before? What have you heard before, but you haven't heard recently? What troubles you? Let me know, Bill at gospel-app.com. So much more to come. Let us know if you're getting it. We love hearing from people. Bill at gospel-app.com. Do us a favor and help us get the word out about this love of God for the unlovable. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts and intentionally follow. If you uh, do Apple Podcast or Podchaser, you can also review this particular podcast. And please do. Uh, if, if you don't do, use those, send me an email. Bill at gospel-app.com. I'm going to put the best reviews on our webpage. Don't forget the Good Enough Parent program. It's actually totally free, 15 parent tips, goodenoughparent.online. As I mentioned, I'm taking a break on my book on the Song of Songs, short break, and I'm writing a book on the overlooked, underappreciated biblical women. Lots of fun. If you want to know when it's coming out and getting on that mailing list, bill at gospel-app.com. Take heart, child of God. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.